Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today we get to welcome the incredible Crystal Brolic Strokes to the show. Uh, Crystal spent 11 years in the United States Marine Corps, reaching the rank of sergeant, uh, did three tours, one in Kuwait, two in Iraq. Uh, she's also a martial artist, black belt, jiu-jitsu, uh, firearms coach, rifle, pistol, professional football player, professional MMA fighter. Uh, Crystal, when it comes to guests on this podcast, you check off probably more than most guests ever been on the show. So thank you for jumping on here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I just want to clarify one thing real quick. It's um, as a black belt instructor in the Marine Corps martial arts program, I'm a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 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 Uh, one of the interesting things about this show, I've always, I've had, I'm good friends with Marcus Torgerson, and he's been on the show, I think, four times now. And it went from the basic introductory talk to every time he's on now, we just talk about life. And a lot of times, him and I will share ideas or stories. Um, uh, and the other day, he reached out to me and hey, you got to have this girl, Crystal, on. She's perfect for your podcast. She's amazing. Her story is amazing. She's motivational. She's inspirational. And I'm like, sure. Like, if Marcus says have a guest on, I'm going to do it. And when I started doing research and reached out to you, I, I was really blown away by the the life you have lived so far and the service you've not only given to this country, but the inspiration to people who are struggling. So again, thank you for jumping on here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Um, recently, this other day, uh, there was a incident um, and maybe something you could talk about in the martial arts community, specifically jiu-jitsu. Uh, Leandro Lowe, a famous world champion fighter, um, he was shot and killed after an altercation at a bar or a club or whatever uh, where the guy he was dealing with pulled the gun out and shot him. And I've noticed, I know you post, post stuff on there. I know some of my other guests in the martial arts world post stuff about it. But it's just for me to see that not only is it a travesty, but to see how the community of the martial arts, and specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kind of rallies around people like that and shows their support uh, for the family and stuff. And it's as well as really, it's a tragedy that it's, you're not going to Monday quarterback that, what should have happened, what it did happen, and it's a tragedy that it did. It, um, undoubtedly. Um, it was, he actually, um, I, I, I saw it from another uh friend of mine that does jujitsu. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, when did this happen? And so I looked it up and it was, you know, it's like the, the end day was today. And I was like, wait a second, he's supposed to be competing on the 12th. And this, you know, it's just, um, as with anything, um, when anybody passes, you know, it's kind of a shock. It's surreal. You're like, no, is it not really? No, it can't be. But Leandro Lowe, um, was amazing on the mats and off the mats like just his personality um everybody that i've met that has like trained with i never personally got to train with him but just watching him as as a jiu-jitsu practitioner and as an athlete just the way he carried himself the way he conducted himself on and off the mats like the way the interaction and stuff like he was just inspiring he's uplifting and he was an example and stuff so it really is a travesty that, that, that would happened. you 
with your friendship with Cyborg and her taking you under the wing, it's I've always been fascinated outside the the press conferences when they have to sell a fight, some of the drama they manifest, whoever. But when after the blow, trade blows and the, the fight's over, the amount of respect the fighters have for each other. Now, obviously, with your military background, you know what respect is. But when you as you when you transition into the MMA world and professional fighting, was were you surprised to see that same level of respect given towards fighters? Um, in a, in a way, um, once you reach a certain level, I believe of any, as an athlete in any sport, um, if you're an elite level, when you're an elite level athlete, there's always going to be, um, a different mindset. And so there is that respect that you give. If somebody beats you or somebody's better than you, then you know, you have to give them that respect. And then you go back to the drawing board and say, what do I need to do to be the person that they now need to train for instead of, okay, I need to train for that person. And um, I think it's just in the fight world, I think it is given a lot more so than a lot of other um, sports. Um, as somebody that's done quite a few different things, I do find <laughs> that in that sport, um, they do, there's, there's trash talking and of course personalities conflict, you know, and everything in any sport, anywhere you go. But, um, I think across the board, um, with that, res the respect that is given, um, it's a genuine respect because you earn it, you know, it's not unlike the military. Yes. There are those people that, you know, they earn your respect, but then there are the ones that are like, I have this rank. You yeah. need to respect me. And you're like, uh, no, <laughs> I respect the rank, but not you. And then there's the ones where you respect the rank as well as the person behind it. So right. it's the same before in the we, MMA world. <laughs> before we go down the rabbit hole of the fighting and the professional football play and stuff like that, I want to back up a little bit. With your upbringing, with your parents in the military, the Marine Corps itself, was there any other option for you besides military was there a, a, a say maybe there was another sport or another activity where it's like what if i get really good at this maybe i'll do this instead of military or was that always kind of in the back of your mind your first thought i want to be i want to dress up in the dress blues like my family i want to do all do all the stuff like that was there ever another option for you actually that was my second option so uh -huh. i um my original option i did gymnastics for 20 years right so i started when i was six and um, that was my option. My option was to get a scholarship in gymnastics and go and compete. However, my grades in school, I was not guided well. I did not have a good work ethic in school. Um, I struggled and I was better at gymnastics. So my energy and my focus went into that rather than into schoolwork. Um, my home life was not the greatest. It wasn't the worst, but it was not the greatest as well um, in certain areas. So therefore I tended to go um, to the gym and that was my outlet, not my studies. Because studies for me, it was a lot more challenging. Um, there was not as much support in it when I, um, as I was growing up but there was more support from coaches and teammates within the sport. And so I gravitated towards that. Now I would have had a full ride scholarship to Oregon state university had my grades been good. 
they were not. So therefore, um, after high school, I did go, I actually, funny story, I walked on to um, the community college that was there. I walked into the athletic director's office and I said, hey, um, I ran track in the sixth grade. Can I get a scholarship? All right. And these are the events that I did. And he looked at me and he goes, um, well, if you run cross country for me, I'll give you a partial scholarship. And I said, okay. I had no idea what cross country was. I didn't understand it. I was like, all right. Oh my goodness. Good God almighty. When, <laughs> when I found out how far we had to run, it was all running and everything. I was like, oh. And it was the first time I really got challenged outside of gymnastics. So that's all I did. Um, it was a real eye opener to other things. Um, however, it did prepare me for all the running in the Marine Corps <laughs> um, unknowingly. So I did that. Um, I did, I did, uh, I ran cross country. Once again, school took a tank, you know, uh, because they didn't have good study habits in high school that transferred over to community college. So uh, I decided to go back to gymnastics. I was like, I'll walk on to a team. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that, but I'll figure it out. And in the midst of doing that, um, my best friend came up and said, hey, you quit gymnastics and I'll quit school um, and we'll join the Marine Corps. And I did, however, my, my youngest brother knew he was going to join. And the only reason the military came into the interview actually was because my best friend at the time, her, her boyfriend had joined the Navy. So it was in the forefront of her mind, not in my mind. So when she said that, I said, sure, I have no, like, I'm not going anywhere right here. So I'm all in, like, let's go. I just, I'm ready to go get out of here and stuff. Yep. And then from that moment on, I was like, I was all in. So. It is. It is interesting. The if you the, when it comes to schooling, I know a lot of people like yourself and even myself, where man, I don't want to read this book or do this math problem. It's like, but when it came to sports or the releasing of physical activity, doing the team stuff, I thought I excelled. And I mean, I, I actually ran cross country in college. It was actually really good at it. And but I love the idea of teamwork and exerting myself physically, mentally. I always found in the classroom, I was just restricted. I didn't want to, I wanted to learn and excel and stuff. I wanted to, I cared about whether it's different parts of history and stuff. And so when it came to, well, for you, when it came to that idea of the releasing of the, the physical aspect of what you're doing, I always find it so interesting that people are able to excel at that. Um, and in turn, it, you almost go back and re-excel back with the stuff you didn't really excel at before. It kind of helps build up all facets of your life like that. Yes. Um, so, well, with school, I, it's not that I didn't like it and I didn't enjoy it. Um, for me, I have come to find out it's, you know, and having my own daughter, um, it's the way you're taught. So not everybody is the same. So you can't just sit everybody in a classroom and say, here, memorize this, do this. There's like, I'm like, you know, there's, it's, it's difficult to retain certain things, even if you are interested, um, just you know, with the way that it's taught. And I didn't have good study habits. I didn't, I did not. And so I can take all of that and I can use it now with the way that I learn things. I love to read. I love to, you know, when I was younger, I used to write plays. So I used to read a lot. And then um, there was a certain thing that happened in my childhood and it just kind of detoured me away from it. So 
it, like I said, when you don't have that support system there, you go to where the support system is. And I was, even though when I said, cause I'm very tall, I'm six foot. So as a gymnast, that's extremely <laughs> tall. So I still had my challenges and I was like legs and things everywhere. I was gangly, you know, a little tiny thing at first, you know, tall, but, you know, skinny. And so it was a challenge for me, but there was the support that was there. And so um, now I can look back and I can say, okay, well, this is what I need to do. And this is how I can do this. And um, I, I figured out different ways of learning for myself to be able to do stuff. And, you know, um, uh, I started reading again and doing other things that I hadn't done in a while. And it just, you know, it, it makes you realize, um, different ways. And plus having my daughter, you just realize different ways of pushing through and okay now I can be that example which is one one of the reasons I say be be the example and it's not just be the example for my daughter it's be the example that I needed be the example that I need be the example that somebody else may need just be the example it encompasses everything and stuff so I kind of have taken that the lack of um doing well in school and I can apply it now. However, that being said, if I were to take school again, um, then now I know, okay, I can only take this class at a time or I can only do this because then that way I can focus and I have the fortitude to be able to focus a lot easier now. When it comes to your relationship with your daughter and you being a mom, what are the similarities and differences between the relationship you had with your mom versus you and your daughter now? Like, is there good things or bad things that you've kind of, as you became a mom and now that you kind of, Hey, maybe I should do this or maybe I try that or maybe I don't do this. Anything like that you can talk, touch upon. Um, so there's lots of things. Um, this might sound horrible. <laughs> if she ever hears this, don't take offense. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, my mom and I were not the closest. Uh, my dad's the one that gave us all of my morals, my values. He was the disciplinary. He's the one that put in the most work. However, my mom is the one that was the affectionate one towards us up to a certain point in our life. Um, and then after that, there just was that affection. There was no physical affection. And every once in a while, you got the verbal affection and stuff like that. So um, there are lots of things that I have taken that are good. And then there are lots of things that I've taken that were somewhat good, and I just alter them. Right. So like, for instance, we used to get, like, we'd have to do an exercise to get in trouble. Um, you had an exercise of some sort, you got your butt whooped. And then you didn't get to do whatever it is that you wanted to do. Now, I take that and I utilize that same thing. However, I, I, I have adjusted it just slightly to where when she, if it warrants her getting her butt whooped, there are differences between when I did and when she did. 
first, it's never done out of anger. If I need to calm down, I need to calm down. She'll go sit in the corner. She'll do an X with something or something. And I need, and then I pray about it. And I say, God, how do I, how do I discipline her for this? The way that you need me to. So that way I don't do any damage. And what, what should I do? How guide me? Like, how do I do this? And then, um, what we will do is um, she will only get enough enough licks, I guess you could call them, um, to get the point across. So if that happens to be two, that's it. If it's five, then that's it. And then I stop. We talk about what it was just briefly because, you know, she's small, you know, so they only retain so much. And then we go over we go over what, what the Bible says, basically like, you know, listening and obeying, honor your father and mother, don't steal, don't lie. You know, we just kind of go over it. And then we, um, we pray and we ask for forgiveness and then we say, okay, it's forgotten. We don't bring it up anymore. We don't, I don't bring it up to where it's like, remember I told you, or did I, or you did this the other day. I don't, it's done you've been forgiven just like God forgives us. It's been forgiven and it's, and it's done. And then she gets all the hugs. She gets all the love. She gets all the kisses. She can cuddle as long as she wants. And then usually probably within like two minutes of that, she's like, Hey, can we go do this? And she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. And she learns her lesson um, very well. Um, sometimes, you know, it's just the look. Sometimes it's, um, you know, we'll be out in public and she'll say something or do something. And I will just, I'll look at, I'll, I'll point to my waistband because I have a pocket knife and I'll point to the pocket knife. And she's like, mm, because she knows that I will go cut a switch wherever we're at and I will take her somewhere and she will be disciplined. So there's boundaries. She understands like you have a choice. There's good choices, bad choices. Good choices come with this bad choices come with consequences just as in life you are you can make your own choice i'm not going to force you to do one thing or the other you have free will but here are your options choose wisely and i'm going to you know i'm going to guide you towards the best choice and this is why but you're still going to make the choice and sometimes she's like eh, i'm going to see for myself you know and you're like all right i hope your butt enjoys this one you know your muscles are about to get a little stronger but um so I just, I, I tweak, I tweak right. what's been done and um, I don't fully say, I think a problem in society today or uh, which has grown within society is that people take what happened to them as a child um, in a disciplinary action, no matter what it is. And they say, well, my parents spanked me and they hit me and they did this. And so I refuse to hit my children. Okay, well then what are you doing to discipline them? Because they still need guidance somehow and there's still consequences. And so if you change it to where you're still, it's a teaching thing and you're using it to guide them, then there's, there's not a problem with that. But when you remove it completely, then that's when you end up with kids that become adults that don't have respect. They've got no morals, no values. They are entitled. They think that they can do whatever they want. There's no consequences for right. any of their actions because 
they don't think before they act. They don't think before they speak, you know, and I think that that, you know, um, that's one thing that I realized is like, well, I'll just look at what was done to me. I'll find the blessing. I'll find the good. I'll find this and I will tweak it. I'll pray about it. How do I, how do, how do you want me to do this God? Or how, how should I do this? Or, you know, and I, a lot of the time I pray and I just say, Hey, how, help me to be the mom that you need me to be for her because God's got a specific purpose for her. I don't know what that is, right? but in order for me to raise her correctly, I need his help on what he needs me to do. Not what do I need to do to be the best mom, but what God, what do you need me to do to be what you need me to be for her? And then in turn, that's what does I end up being who he needs me to be as well. I remember so. growing up, like when you talk back to your parents, like you get spanked or get the wooden spoon. Like my younger sisters, uh, my parents, my mom would give them Tabasco sauce every time they talk back or something. But it happened so much with my one sister that she was like, it doesn't even bother him anymore. And like she, it, it was almost like comical where like, as we get older now, we just laugh at hot sauces. But it's one of those things where I don't, I think there's so many kids today that need that spanking or even adults today that need to get slapped. Or oh, yeah. when I, and I know, so I don't know the, the when, a couple of years ago, Adrian Peterson, the Hall of Fame football player, like prolific running back, he got in trouble by the media and whoever because he came out and he slapped, spanked his kids. And so many people in society, this isn't about parents hitting their kids. We're not talking abuse here. We're talking about culturally, that's how he was raised and that's how he wanted to raise his kids. And when people don't understand that cultural aspect or that type of upbringing, they, they go out of the way to look at someone like you and be like, well, why are you hitting your daughter? Why are you spanking her? Why, why are you doing that? It's like, that, you're a terrible parent. It's like, it, you're not a terrible parent. It's like that lack of understanding, I think, is so conducive to not letting parents be parents. And I don't know, it's, it's, the whole thing is very fascinating to me. Um, obviously, I know there's parents out there, as you know, that are, are abusive, uh, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying exactly. be abusive. There's right. there's a difference between being abusive and disciplining. Right. And, you know, and there's times that, you know, she wasn't getting spanked for the longest time. And then suddenly she was like, ah, she's starting to push the push the line a little bit on certain things. And I was <laughs> like, do I need to bring this back? And she's like, no, ma'am. You know, or I would just look at the switch. She'd be like, I apologize. And I'm like, do you really apologize or are you just reacting because you don't want that you know right. and so it got brought back because she was it was just words to her at that time and so now she's starting to understand as she has gotten a little bit older that oh i need to be genuine like i really do need to be yeah. apologetic for this you know and i always tell her you apologize don't be sorry you're not a sorry person just apologize for what you did and then do your best to, to, to change it and be better next time, you know, cause you're all going to make mistakes. And I, I do, I, I, I explained to her a lot that, you know, I did the same thing. I got in trouble. I made mistakes. I did the same thing. She's like, you did. And I think that helped a lot for her because she realizes that there's no shame. She's not shamed. She's not embarrassed. It's like everybody messes up. There was only one person that was perfect, you know, and that was Jesus. Everybody else has, everybody else has, has problems. Everybody's got situations. Nobody else is perfect, right? So, um, 
it's okay. You're going to mess up and you'll just do your best the next time, you know, make a, an effort. Say, oh, this is what happened last time. I don't want that to happen again, you know? So she's extremely intelligent. So when she plays like she's not, she gets in trouble. So <laughs> it is for me, is being a parent for you the toughest job you've had to, had to done so far in your life? Especially in this time, day and age where kids aren't learning about honor and respect and integrity and how to love someone. It's more now, I mean, now these kids are being put in classrooms where you can't do a national anthem. God forbid you mention God, or now we're going to learn about history, but we're going to censor parts of history. It's like you as a parent, and it's one of my biggest fears once I become a dad. How do you give, how you lead your kids by example? But when you're not there all the time, they're being swayed by these outside forces and stuff. Like, how do you put them in a position to be the most successful? Um, so for me, it's what she's exposed to here at home. First, I homeschool. Um, okay. And it's and it starts, but it starts early on before that. So, you know, there's no tablets, there's no phones, there's no electronics. She watches old school stuff like she watches the wholesome anything that's like you know anything that's not of our age you know and stuff so she's you know she loves little house on the prairie she loves andy griffith is a great one she loves um you know there's i expose her to things and then i expose her to stuff um also and i that might be contradicting and i say this is what's wrong with that or this is and i teach her and um, I read Bible stories to her from the very beginning. You know, we prayed from the very beginning. You start instilling those values and those morals from the very beginning. So they are natural. Um, she has no problem walking up to somebody being like, Jesus loves you or singing Jesus loves me or hugging somebody. And they're just like, what in the world? And that light shines through. And so when somebody is not like that, um, um, she, you know, is quick to say, well, let's pray for them. Or I'll be like, hey, let's pray for that person. And she'll be like, okay. And so it's the things that I do with her to solidify that. And so when something goes outside, so for example, we'll be in the store and she will see a kid or will hear a kid like screaming or throwing a tantrum or the mom seems like, oh my gosh, you know. And I'll point that out. I'll say, do you see that? And she's like, yeah. I said, is that acceptable behavior? And she's like, no. And I said, now do you see why I tell you this? And she's like, yes, ma'am. So I'll point that stuff out, you know. Um, awesome example right here. So we had, um, she was, I want to say, three, four. She was four. And we were across the street at the neighbor's house. And they had another four-year-old and a three-year-old and I was um, not in the room the mother of the children was outside uh, cooking and so the kids were getting ready to sit down and eat and um, they had a camera that was in the house for security reasons and they caught on camera uh, Neela my daughter was sitting where was she she was sitting across on one side of the living room the youngest child, the three-year-old came over and they had a little conversation and she had one of those, you remember those slap bracelets, right? Yes. It's like yes. you slap it on there and stuff. Well, they had one of those. And so they're like sitting there in their little babble talk 
about it. And um, as they're talking, the older sister sees their interaction and is like, huh, what's going on? And you see her stand up and then the little sister, the three-year-old goes and does her own thing. Mila's sitting there playing and the, the older sister comes up and she goes, she, um, she looks and she, Mila says, oh, look, look at my toy. She says the same thing. And the little girl looks at Mila and says, um, give it to me. And my daughter looks at her and says, no, it's for mine, right? Like if you, in their house, if you had a toy, it was yours until you put it down. And, and so, which I feel creates problems when you do that. So she goes and the little girl looks at my daughter and snatches it out of her hands. And like, in a way of that, that literally would have translated to an adult saying, bitch, I said, give that to me type thing, right? So she snatched it out of her hands and turned around and walked away. And my daughter stands there and goes, it's for mine. And like yells and walks over to the girl and she happened to drop the toy. So as she bent down to pick it up, Neela, my daughter, snatches her hoodie and pulls her down to the ground. And in one, like not even missing a beat, pulls her down and her other hand comes straight over and a hammer fist down on her. And just is like, boom. And she takes the toy back and she's like, it's for mine. And so she stood up for herself and I was okay with that. However, after that, she looks down at the girl and then she kicks her twice and then turns around and walks away. So of course, everybody's up in arms like, oh my gosh, da, 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 da. and I was like, uh, first and foremost, if those roles were reversed, you would not be this upset. You're just mad because your daughter was being a bully and mine right. stood up for herself. Like bullies are never going to go away. So learn to stand up for yourself so the bully will back away because bullies don't like to be confronted. Right. So they're never going to go away. And that's what they taught their daughter basically to be a bully a lot of the time. And so when that happened, um, I took the video and I showed Neela and I said, okay, let's sit down and let's look at this. I said, here, I said, she should not have done this. She's being a bully. This is what a bully is. And then I broke it down even further. And as she walked away, I said, right here, you were okay. You were defending yourself. You were standing up for yourself. You got the toy back and that was it, right? And then I showed her where she kicks her. And I said, look at your face. I said, you looked at her and you thought about it and said, she's mean to me. So now I'm going to be mean to her. So now you have become the bully and yep. you kick her just to be mean. I said, that is not okay. And so I taught her that. I said, and if the roles were reversed and you snatched it and she did this, I would say the same thing. Now come to the other parents. I asked them, I said, well, did you show Leilui the video? <gasps> no, why would we do that? Like she just, well, why not? She was in the wrong and this is where she was wrong. So why did you not show it to her and use it as a teaching moment? And I think that's where a lot of parents, like that's something I do. Why not? It, it, you, you, people, I think, try to protect their kids so much. Kids are super smart. And they see a lot more, they hear a lot more than what you give them credit for. 
and 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 they sense things too. So when, why would you not use that as a teaching moment? Was it a horrible thing that happened? Yes, just like anything else, but use it as a, take it and use it as a positive then. Right. And, and use it as a teaching moment. How can we not do this again? And, and for, for Neela, it, it's one of those things that's like, look, this is where you were right. You stood up for yourself. This is where you were wrong. So now she understands what a bully is, where her line is supposed to be drawn, what not to do. And then she can remember that feeling. Okay, when I get to here, this is not okay. Or up to this point, this is fine. Anything beyond that, I'm now, the roles have now reversed and now I'm in trouble. So why not use it as a teaching moment? So um, those are some of the, the things that, that I do. When, when your daughter gets older and she approaches you, hey, Bob, I'd love to do the recor, join the military. Are you going to sit her down and talk to her about a lot of stuff you've talked about uh, in some of your other talks, whether it's PTSD or the assault you dealt with or uh, the harassment, I guess. Uh, stuff like that has happened in your military career. And she, and as a female, to another female, is there a part of your, you being a mob where you're kind of like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Or are you going to be like, hey, think about this. If you want to do it, I'll support you. If you don't want to do it, I'll still support you. Like, where are you at with it? When, as she gets older, that time uh, is going to come. Um, I, I would encourage it. I think everybody should do um, serve. I don't care if it's four years, eight years. I would probably suggest her to do eight years. Be like four years, do whatever the Marine Corps wants you to do. And then the last four years, you know, um, yeah. use that time to, 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 for education or something else or whatever, and then just kind of hone it. And at the end of that, that second enlistment, decide, okay, do I want to stay in or do I want to get out? Like, I had the, like, I, I've experienced the Marine Corps in the first four years. I, I got, I volunteered for things. I did things. I went places and I did all of this. And then the, the second enlistment, I really just kind of, okay, I did everything the Marine Corps wanted me to. I'm at a higher rank now. Let me start to see where I want to go, get some school in. Do I want to do that? Do I not? Like, and then just kind of see, am I going to make it a career or am I going to, use this so that way when I get out I can I've already gone to some school I can you know what I mean like just that right. type of thing um however I will sit her down and and unlike me I went in unknowing like I didn't know what to expect I didn't know how things were and at the time when I went in there was I was like right at that cusp where it was like it doesn't matter if you're male or female I was taught it doesn't matter if you're male or female this is your rank and you're going to be expected to do this job and everybody needs to know, like it across the board, you're going to be held accountable. It's not, oh, you're a girl or you're a female and you get preferential treatment or different treatment or you're a male and this is how they're going to know. It's across the board, like get your head out of your ass, make sure that you can do your 20 pull-ups, make sure you can do that. And that's the way I was taught, you know, and stuff, um, especially at MCT. Like I am very thankful for the instructors that I had at MCT. And um, uh, I would sit down with her though. And I would, you know, she'll, I, the relationship that I have with her, even at a very young age, is very open and honest. Um, if she asks me a question, I tell her the truth to her level. And I will explain things at, at her level so that she understands. Um, when she's had questions in the past about um, the abusiveness 
or she's heard me say it or something. Or um, I remember we got a manila envelope in the mail and I was super upset and I tried my best to like not cry in front of her. Um, but she could, she could see that I was yeah. upset. And then she got out of the truck and um, I sat there once she was out, I sat there and I cried for a minute and uh, she came back and she goes, what's the matter? And I know oh, nothing, you know, you try to do that protective thing that I always said I would do. <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, uh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Cause I didn't know how to say it at the time. And I needed to process really quick. And, um, and she, uh, she goes, she wouldn't take that for an answer. And so she kept pressing. She's very, she's, she's me yeah, to a team. She's apple. We're apple. To, Marcus says apple tree. You guys are apple tree, right? So, um, fully. And, um, it's, she kept going and I was like, um, well, there's just something in the manila envelope that's very upsetting. And it just made me sad. And it was just, it, it's upsetting to me and stuff. And she goes, well, is it from this person? And I said, yes. So I'm not going to lie. And I said, yes. And she goes, oh, and she got so mad. And she started shaking. She goes, I hate him. And um, I stopped her right there. And I said, no. Yep. So we do not hate like that. I said, it is not okay. I said, I have forgiven him. I'm continuously forgiving him. And this is my abuser that I'm talking about. And, um, and I said, you don't need to hate him. I said, you still have a, I said, you have a father. Your father is God. That is who your father is. And he will provide an earthly father made in his image for you. I said, but there is no reason to hate him at all. I said, he doesn't exist to us. He does not have any gods protecting us. I said, this shall god will will be victorious over this and there's no need to be angry or hate i or there's no need to hate him i said you can be angry you can be upset but then you need to let it go and you need to forgive and we will move forward and um she stopped and she said okay but she saw me and she was like oh well mom's not hateful because that's that, that that just festers and that grows Right. And what I told her was the truth. You just, just because this is the person whose DNA happened to help create you, you know, doesn't mean that they're a father. It doesn't mean that they are your father. It doesn't mean that they're your dad. It doesn't mean anything. Like I could have gone to a sperm bank and gotten artificially yeah. inseminated and it does, they have nothing. Right. And so it's the same concept, but I have always taught her that she's not fatherless because she's not, she has a father, a heavenly father. That is my father. That's her father. So she's not left out and she makes father's day cards. It's for God. Happy father's day. We celebrate Jesus's birthday. Happy mm -hmm. birthday, Jesus. You know? So he is in, and I always tell her, I said, it's me, you and God, kid. It's me, you and God. And when there's some, when he's ready to provide somebody for us, then he will provide somebody made in his image for us. And it, that will be our earthly family, but he'll still be our father. He's still your father, you know? And sometimes um, she'll randomly, you know, something will pop up or I don't know what God works in great ways. And I find it very interesting to watch, but 
she'll just randomly say, oh, my dad's in heaven, right? And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she's like, no, he's not dead, it's God. (laughs) They're like, what? She's like, yeah, my dad is God. And they're like, oh. Um, And she's gone through her phases where she's like, you know, I want a real dad, you know? And then there's times where she's just like, no, I'm good with it just being us. We're having fun, it's great this person is like a father figure and this person is a father figure and they're, they're godly people and they instill, you know, um, the right things and everything. So, um, yeah, you know, and that kind of touches back on that other question that right. you had, you had asked about it, it, who you have around to influence your children as well. Um, like there's things that my mom does that I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, ma'am, that's a no go. You know, she came to the house one day and she was, Neela was playing with something and she was like, ew. And I stopped her. I said, nope. And she goes, what? I said, there's no ewing in this house. We do not ew at anything. We, ooh, ah, fascinate. What is that? Hey, let's check it out. Like if it's a bug, there's no ewing. I don't know. If it's poop from the dog, it's not ew. It's, oh, the dog pooped, clean it up. Like there is like, why am I going to ew at that? It's going to happen at how many times out of the day the dog's going to do it. Yeah. So why am I going to ew over it? And, and you know, ew, it's great. No, I mean, it, it's nature. It happens. So go yeah. clean it up and keep it moving in your life, kid. Like, let's go. <laughs> you know, so, um, so yeah, who you have around your kids too right. is very important. I've, uh, I've had other guests on here who military career. You're the first female military uh, guest. But when I've had the military men on, um, one of the things talking man to man is always like the stigma of asking for help, whether it's directions in a car or, hey, I need help with my drinking or I need help. I have PTSD for whatever I've done or um, I'm having these bad thoughts. I need a mental health day. And hearing you talk about it, you've been open before some of the stuff you've done in talks and uh, some mm-hmm. movies you've done about the, when you walked into your therapist, the one therapist and you said, I don't want to be here, but I need to be here. And like this, this honesty about asking for help and being the first step in the process of healing is being, having the courage to ask for help. And I guess I never looked at it this way, hearing you talk where it's like, even females in the military have a stigma of asking for help. And it's like, if you could kind of touch upon that, because it's so, I guess I never looked at it that way. I've always been like man to man. Like I get why guys would ask for help because they don't want to look weak, but here you are a successful ass kicker, well-trained military person that dedicated your life to that. And you still didn't feel like you could ask for help. And it took you a while to get there. If you could kind of talk about that. Um, so in the service, it's not that, you, so you're taught to not really ask for help because the mission, right? So it's not necessarily don't ask for help because you're gonna be weak, it's mission essential. Like get your head on straight, figure it out, let's go, we got other things to do. And so figure out how you're gonna process it on your own later or later sometimes never come because depending on where you're at and when you're deployed and you're in a combat zone like that later might come five years down the road you know because you finally have stopped and had time to decompress but now you have to decompress from the compilation of people that you've lost or the things that have happened or the different 
the different things that have affected you and, and stuff. And so I, I, I believe that, you know, it's like, hey, suck it up, keep pushing, like just keep going. That mindset is, is a necessity to a degree while you are in. And when you get out, there's no, it's not really, um, how do you put this? Um, so, okay. They, you go to boot camp, right? So you go to boot camp for three months in the Marine Corps and less for other services. But the point of boot camp is to strip away who you were and build you up to the branch of service that you joined so you can function for them. Now, when you get out, you get a week. There is no breaking it down and yeah. saying, here you go, let's get you ready to reassimulate and this and that, or get you this and that. Like there is none of that, you get a week. And it's, here are a bunch of things for you. Here are some, here are some programs, here are some things, but you have to reach out to them. And sometimes you're just, it's, it's all very overwhelming. You don't, you're like, okay, well, um, I'll try this. And then maybe in trying that, the trigger is something that you didn't realize that you hadn't dealt with, or um, you try it and then you realize, oh my gosh, can't work with civilians because they move so slow. And this is crazy, right? So you're like, ah, but, um, and then it's just a process. There's, there's, there's a process to get in. And then the process when you get out is completely different. And then the process while you're in, um, it was frowned upon to seek that help. So there, um, or they didn't allow the time to, to seek that help. And sometimes there's not time to do that. So I think if they were to look at it and say, okay, well, we need decompression means decompression. So does anybody need to go talk to somebody? And it's okay if you do, even if it's just five minutes or even if it's just the event and say, this is completely stupid. I don't want to do this and then be done with it. Um, but I think that um, because we are taught to not speak about anything, if it, 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 while you're in, um, we're taught that because it's more so mission essential to be able to keep pushing. Because if every time something negative happens and you were to have a meltdown or I need to go talk to somebody, you're like, are you kidding me right now? Like you're messing right. up like my timeline. Like the, and, and when you're in, like things are on a timeline for a reason, because if they don't happen in, at, in a timely manner and you get lackadaisical and complacent, that kills. And it kills in so many ways. And for example, we had, I had a junior Marine that was being very lazy and I had told him to go do something. He did it on his own time. And so I had to use the example. I said, Hey, what happens when you're deployed, a mortar hits the, the, the generator knocks out all the power. I tell you to go grab something, but you're taking your sweet behind time doing it. And now the power, the whole time that this power is down, you're supposed to be getting the backup generator up so you can get the power up to the COC. The COC is in charge of all the little game pieces on the board. And so what happened to that platoon out there that needs to get um, air support or they need some form of support, but they can't get it because they can't get a hold of what's going on back here. And we don't see who's where and what's going on all because you wanted to jack off and not listen because you're pissy get your head out of your ass, dude. Yep. I don't care. You know? So, so you have that mentality and it's necessary in certain situations. 
However, when you come back and there is downtime and there is an opportunity to go in and say, hey, I might need like, I, I need to go to medical once a week, you know, for 30 minutes, I, I have to talk to, or the chaplain, uh, the chaplain is available, yeah. <laughs> but there are places, there are places to, to talk. And, um, and I say that even having a negative experience with it, but I tried, um, the chaplain was worthless for me. Um, but it was also with the command too. Like they just, it, they didn't care. So if they're not going to care and there's no resources, then you just shove it down some more and stuff. So, um, for me, I went through about eight, eight, eight therapists before, um, I finally was like, okay, but I knew it got to a point to where, um, uh, I was self-medicating and, um, I was like, I, I don't want to do it, but what I'm doing obviously is not working. And that time frame comes different for everybody. And I was just tired of being in pain all the time, um, one way or another. And, um, I finally went in as frustrated as I was. I finally, I went in, I had one therapist that actually told me to lower my voice once. And I went off. I was like, <laughs> I was just like, well, I don't want them to think. And I was like, listen, dude, like, that's not cool. And prior to that, she had said, oh, we're going to have to cut our session short because I have to do payroll or something. And I was like, what? And so I have a bad stigma with like vet centers because of that now. <laughs> like somebody's like, go to a vet center. I'm like, screw you. You know, they're like, you know, yeah. but um, if that were something that had to happen, then obviously I'd be like, oh, I got it. Like, let me at least just go and attempt, you know, and see what happens. Not all vet setters are the same. You know, I have to remind myself of that. And, um, but I did, I went back and um, uh, I found one and she happened to be pregnant and was about to go on maternity leave and I didn't know it. And so she had this young <laughs> this young therapist came in she was all smiles she came in and she was like hi so nice to meet you and, da, 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 da. and you know I gotta give props to those the, the therapists that work at the VA you know the counselors because they put up with so much from us they they really do like god bless them but um I went to see her the next time and I walked in the office and I was just like I don't like you I don't want to be here but I know I need to be here. And so, yeah, but I basically, I told her I didn't like her and she was like, well, I, I said, you're too smiley. You're too happy. You're too good. But those are everything that I wasn't right. And so she, um, is my favorite therapist to this, to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, she didn't take offense to it. Her facial expression didn't change. Um, and we just went right along and, you know, she's like, well, why don't you think that it's important? I said, well, it's pointless. I said, I felt, uh, me, myself, I felt it was pointless. I said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to talk about it. We're not going to be able to solve anything, right? Because in my head, if you're going to talk about something. You need to solve it and then be done with it. But that's not the way counseling works. It's, it, you know, it, it, it's baby steps. And you don't realize that when you first get started because you're so angry, you're so hurt, you're so frustrated, and you're so closed off. You've got walls built up around you. And that takes time to chip away at. And you know, you just have to, you, you learn to embrace, okay, this is how I feel now. 
And then you realize, okay, if I need to, I need to call her and say, Hey, that session was really hard. And now I'm having, like, I want to drink or I want to do this or, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Um, and I do, re- I do know that in, in that, with that therapist, um, I had, uh, a workbook that I was supposed to do and I never did it. I refused to write things out <laughs> because it made it real. And I was just like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Right. And, um, but we would talk about it the next day. So whatever it was, I just didn't write it out, but I was able to speak about it. So at least I, I did say stuff, um, which she accepted. And then I think it was the night before our, not the night before, but like right before our last session, I was at home and it was just me at the time and stuff. And I got super, super wasted at home by myself. And um, I wrote on that first page, I answered all those questions and it was just everything, like all the pain, all the hurt. So I was drunk. And I just wrote it out and I took it in with me and I said, Hey, I did that first page. And she said, good job. There was no judgment. There was no condemnation. There was no, okay, now do the next one. What about this one? She, good job. You took a step. It does like, and then we talked about some of it. If I wanted to, if I didn't, then I didn't, but the way that she went about it and there was no, you need to do this or you need to do that. It was, you know, she just would ask certain questions to make me think. And I was like, oh, and, all right, well, this is what that meant. Or, you know, and um, it, it, it helped. And then, you know, I started, um, you know, I'd call when I needed her, if I needed her and stuff like that. So, and then I, we had like a plan in place. And then, so that way, if I needed anything, right. I would be able to, and I wasn't, I didn't feel completely alone, but I didn't feel like I was being completely dependent on somebody else for what I needed to do as well. So, um, and oftentimes there's a part of it that, that men um, don't realize is that because there are far fewer women in, um, in the service yes. that a lot of the times um, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you gotta be careful because they have spouses or girlfriends and they get jealous, they get mad. Um, I've been told that I can't call yep. some of my combat buddies because their wives are like, you know, no. And in a way, um, the hurtful part is not that the wife said that the hurtful part is that they don't have a spine to be like, this is what this means. This is what it is. So a lot of the times guys can call a buddy any hour, 24 seven, it does not matter um, whether they're married or single. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. And they can call in any state of mind. Females, it's few and far in between. And you might have that person that says that you can do that, but then there's always, for me anyway, um, there's still that reservation to actually utilize that because you don't want to create a rift. You don't want to um, have a problem. And so you'll wait a little bit and be like, oh, well, I'll call during these hours. Um, I had, um, my, my brother was, was, uh, 
one whose wife understood and um she is a blessing and so i could i literally it was the one person that i could he passed away recently so there's been feelings recently of like there is like the I would normally call him and there is not that. So there's things that I've been working through just recently with, with stuff pertaining to that as well right. um, and everything. But there's not as many for females. There's a lot that um, there's not as many of us. And then I think that um, when you have a different mindset as the females do, um, there's even fewer that have a certain mindset that you would be willing to talk to um, you know, and because their mindsets are different and everything. So right. there's a we, lot that goes into that. We've talked kind of about respect a bunch. And when it comes to professional female sports outside of say MMA, where female fires headline stadiums, arenas around the world, and there's like this mm -hmm. insane amount of respect. But sometimes when you watch like the WBA or uh, so, whether even like the female Olympic sports or World Cup stuff, or it's like it's almost like this weird sense of, well, it's not the bad, so why do I have to watch? And it's like, I I I love watching like the Sue Bird sisters in the WBA, Tarasi, Rebecca Lobo growing up. It's like I've always loved athletes, whether it's man or woman. If you're really good at what you do, I'm going to support you. But it seems like today this, it's like unless you're a male with uh 14 endorsements a shoe or whatever who cares about the female who's just as equally talented does that ever rub you the wrong way especially because you are a professional fighter and you play professional football um the the part that's frustrating is when they change the female sport then that's when it's hard because they're like well you changed it <laughs> you know the ball yeah. is a different size or you got different rules like just play the sport. Right. You're all you're all went. So there's right now there's the WNFC, right? Um, OJ Jenkins, she um, got that started uh, a few years back, and it's the closest thing to the NFL. And they're thriving. They've got Adidas endorse, endorses them. Rydell endorses them. They've got um, a, a, a platform for to be able to watch and stuff and, and everything she's worked really hard at, at doing that but there's not a real big the only difference really is that we're women and they're men and um we don't have um as much experience right because growing up guys play football from a small small point However, that has started to change and little girls like my daughter will wear a dress, put cleats on and go throw a football, and run a football and hit and everything yep. else. Right. But she also grew up, has been growing up watching me do that. And I'm still, you know, you're still able to do that and still be feminine. You know, you're still able to, I think a lot of people are realizing that it's not just a butch thing to do or they're trying right. to be a guy. I think when you try to be like the men, um, that's where you run into the problems. But if you just embrace that, the sports that embrace, no, we are women, but this is the sport that we're playing, it seems to thrive a lot better. When you, and even the sports that seem to thrive better, um, if they start focusing too much on trying to be more like the guys, 
it's if you notice it does take a hit to the the sport and the impact people don't really want to know about they just just play right just like how are you you know and there's going to be the evolution as time goes on it's going to evolve in everything um and stuff just like with with fighting i'm not going to fight a dude right it doesn't matter like it doesn't oh i bet you you well you can't beat that dude well guess what just because we're the same size he's naturally going to be stronger than me so why would i want to do that for fun like no i i should be able like i have the ability to defend myself if there were ever come a time like i could actually like have a chance to survive a situation but i'm not a guy you know and so therefore i'm not going to fight a guy you know it's that's not why 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 i didn't say that hey i'm stronger than him like i would have to fight somebody that's like half my weight class just for our 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 strengths to like match up in in that sense and stuff um just be the best athlete that you can be and stuff i mean even in crossfit crossfit's going on right now crossfit games tia to me just won again for like the sixth time right yeah. and so it but it's amazing but her the the weight that she lifts is still going to be different than the weight that one of her training partners lifts and he could be the same weight and height and everything as her he's just naturally stronger but she's going to do what she's supposed to do and he's going to do right. what he needs to do and then they're going to go out there and they're going to perform their best and everybody's going to love it because they maxed out what they could do as in in their um, in their positions, and so it just um, it, you know I think that when you try to change it too much to be like oh well here we have to you know uh, I know that back in the day basketball for me it's hard for me to watch women's basketball just because I think they pass the ball way too much like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, and in much. my like for me. <laughs> And women's soccer is not hard for me to watch um, because they're just as aggressive as the guys, if not more. More right? so. Usually yes. more so, actually, you know. So it's the same thing. If I watch football, like I watch good plays um, in the NFL and I can watch some amazing plays in the WNFC right now, right? Like there are people within women's football are now getting – more better training than when we when I first started out my my explanation of being a defensive end was get the ball (laughs) get off the line really fast and get the ball and I was like okay you know and so that's what I did I learned how to swim and I learned how to rip that was it it wasn't until you know like eight six seasons later that I really started working on technique and so once you start teaching, if you teach anybody, it doesn't matter male or female, it doesn't matter the sport, just like women wrestlers, you teach the athlete how to be the athlete and how to be the best athlete that they can be, then they're going to thrive and people are going to want to watch that. I think if you put too much emphasis on it's a male, it's a female, it's men's sports, it's it's a, like just... It's, let the athlete be the athlete, train them the way that they need to be to be an elite level athlete. And then those athletes that have that mindset, they always thrive and, and rise up and they're the great ones to watch in right. any sport that you do and stuff. And, and I think that, you know, um, Cyborg is a great example of that. Like she's just, 
you know, tossed off all the negativity that people have said about her and different things that have, have happened to her. And she puts a lot of her, all of her faith in, in God and, and he's provided a way for her and stuff like that. But I mean, that woman works out relentlessly, relentlessly. So if you're not going to put in that type of effort, I don't want to hear you talking about her and saying, oh, well, she's this and this. No, you don't know the hours that that woman puts into the gym. And that during, and even in the off season, like she's constantly training, you know, and a lot of the greats, that's what, that's the part that they, that you don't see. I was, I was listening to somebody that says the other day, they were talking about Tiger Woods, you know, it was an old podcast with Joe Rogan. I forget who he was talking to, but he was saying, you know, you look, are you willing to live that lifestyle that that person lived to get to that level of greatness? Like it doesn't just happen overnight, you know, and stuff. And so it's, um, you know, you got to put in the work. And I think that no matter male or female, you put in that work, um, whether that be, it just paves the way for the next generation or you reap the, the fruits of that benefit at that point in time. I think that it will be recognized male or female. Before I let you go, I am curious, is it, is it difficult for you to, to be known as a role model for someone, whether a girl or a guy that's, is you, someone, no one usually sets out to be a role model. You live your life. And if you live your life and people resonate with you and it impacts them in a positive way, I think that's beneficial. But for someone like you, my first time talking to you, I would consider you a role model because not only hearing your story, but someone that gets it and is willing to put the time in to be better each day. And is it when people t- approach you or send you a message, Hey, like, I love your story. Like, thank you. I need to hear this. At what point did you kind of realize that, Hey, maybe, maybe I, my bigger, my bigger service now is to others outside of my own life. And so is it ever weird for you like that? Um, it, it used to be, um, because I didn't think that I had a story. So when, <laughs> okay, <laughs> <because to> me, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, um, right. to me, these were just things that I did and Funny I tried life. to do them to the best of my ability, you know, gymnastics, Marine Corps, my childhood, you know, MMA, strongman, fitness competitions, you know, football, being a mom, like all of it, it's just like, okay. And right now I, I feel like I don't have enough going on. Like, I'm like, ah, I need to do, like, I feel like I'm wasting away. I don't, I don't have like 5,000 things going on. I'm just on a different chapter of the journey, you know, and stuff. So um, that being said, um, it used to be weird for me because um, it used to be weird for me. What's up? No, you can't say hi. Okay. Come say hi real quick. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Okay. Go, go, go get yourself a milkshake. Okay. Um, it, that's fine. Thank you. Um, so it used to be real weird for me. And then somewhere along the line, um, as my faith grew, actually, um, and as I built a foundation and I come back to, to, to Christ and yep. really started building a foundation and um, as my relationship grew with God and I realized, um, somebody, a pastor that I listened to has said, you know, be a living epistle 
because a lot of people don't read the Bible and they don't know the word of God. So the best way to, to lead somebody to believing or having faith or being that just, in, you know, leading somebody to Christ is to be a living epistle. And I was like, oh, so it, it takes, it's not like you need to go talk to somebody and say, hey, this is this and you should do this. And like, that's all religious stuff. And, and, and that's, um, people feel condemned. And then they're like, well, I've had church hurt or I don't want to, ah, you know, and it's, or people are like, well, what am I supposed to say? I don't know how I'm supposed to do that, you know? And, um, but if you live a life, because people are going to, do what you do more than what you say for them to do. Um, once I, I started praying and I was like, help me to be a living epistle for others. The, the things that um, I've experienced, um, it wasn't, I think it was around that same time. It was, I did the, um, the, the, the project that I, I, I sent you. Um, yes, Lionheart. The Lionhearted Project, yes. Um, and they, uh, that was my first time really telling some of my story. And I was talking to another veteran. And so it was just like smooth conversation and, and stuff. And um, I listened to it and I was just like, holy cow. I guess I have been through oh, wow. a lot of stuff. And at first it was like, if I can just help one person you know, not struggle the way I did, then, you know, that would be great. And then I was like, well, maybe I really am able to be a light or be something for somebody else or be that example. And then that's when, you know, a lot of the stuff was born out of that. And I just, I came to realize that I was worth something and that God does have a plan for me and that I am a valuable original and that um, even though I have struggles and even though I have all this stuff that I went through in the past, um, whether it be challenges, turmoil, trauma, you know, um, just different things, um, you know, and I've overcome them. Some of them um, I have. I, I still work through and I'm still uh, I'm overcoming them even more so because they take a little bit longer. Um, but then I realized I was just like, well, God helped me to be a living epistle, you know? And at first that was only in the form of like faith-based. And then I realized that it didn't just have to be that way. And I'm on this amazing journey as well in learning and just as my faith grows and my intimate relationship with Christ grows um I'm realizing that um I'm able to be that example I'm able to be a living epistle and so it does not bother me now um now I just want to make sure that I'm I'm doing the best that God needs me to do Right. And that, um, you know, that, you know, I, I don't put too much pressure on myself to not screw it up because I'm human. <laughs> so, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me now and before it did, but I went through a, a process, a, a journey to come to that understanding that, you know, there's lots of people 
just like I look at people and I say, oh, wow, I needed to hear that piece of information today. And I say, thank you, God, for that piece of information. Or I had a question in my mind and then I hear or see somebody and I'm like, oh, that's great. And then that gives me the strength to say, well, who cares if somebody that follows you might not like it? There might be that one person that comes across your page that needed to hear that. So don't censor that or don't change who God's created you to be. Be that living epistle. Be that because somebody was that for you. So allow yourself to, you have been blessed to be a blessing in that way. So allow yourself to do that. And so now um, it brings me joy to be able that if somebody was like, hey, that that helped me or that opened my eyes, or I appreciate you doing that, then I'm like, you know, I'm I'm glad that that um, that could happen. And then I give thanks to God for giving me the strength and the courage, and then for changing my want tos to His want tos and just healing me, because a lot of that, if I was still angry, at it, that wouldn't have happened. So I've done a lot of forgiveness and a lot of healing. And, and and stuff so for that awesome. well uh thank you for uh jumping on here with me today crystal it's you have an incredible story and if anyone wants to reach out to you uh do we send them to your instagram page like where can people if they have a question they want to support you they want to check what you're doing where can we send people to check you out um i'm on instagram predominantly um i do have facebook as well um uh, both of them you know uh same same name, uh, Crystal Brolic Stokes. Uh, I think on Instagram, it's just Brolic Stokes. Um, but either one of those, um, they can reach me there, follow along and see what's going on, all the adventures. Awesome. Well, uh, again, thank you for this. We'll have to do it again. Be safe and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you so much. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the ChopFit. Over the course of the past year, the ChopFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SPEARCHOP10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SPEARCHOP10 for $10 off your ChopFit order. It'll change your life. Thank you. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. 
kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell, Blundell Network. Network or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.